Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode of The Artist and the Athlete, I would label as fascinating. I love music, but there is so much I realized quickly in this conversation that I did not know about what it takes to produce music. Let me start with the athlete for this one. So I remember working in Washington, D.C., covering sports when center JaVel McGee was drafted by the Washington Wizards. He was the future of the franchise, this young kid who was a proven talent out of Nevada. What I did not know was that music creating and producing beats was something he was already doing, as if he did not have enough on his plate trying to become a proven player in the NBA. It was so cool, though, to catch up with JaVel, to hear his stories, including the fact that he is now a three-time NBA champion with two different teams, most recently with the Lakers this past fall, though he now plays for the Denver Nuggets. He also was nominated for a Grammy because of his work on Justin Bieber's album. JaVel is joined in this episode by four-time Grammy Award-winning hits songwriter and producer Jason Pooh Bear Boyd. He is a prolific songwriter in pop music. He basically is known as Justin Bieber's right-hand man when it comes to producing his stuff. We were also joined by Pooh Bear's songwriting partner, Jared Gustad, who's written more than half a million songs and has worked on thousands of TV shows and films. These three are visionaries, they are trailblazers, and they have got plenty of advice worth listening to. It's so awesome to have you here. And I want to hear so many different things about just these worlds intersecting. But first off, I want to know the relationship and how this came to be. So Pooh Bear, how did you come to know JaVel in the first place? I had the honor and the privilege of meeting JaVel. I want to say it was in 2014, 1500 uh, introduced us. And yeah. JaVel was working on an album, actually. Uh, um, I want to say a mixtape, if I'm not mistaken. And we so, did two records together at the 1500's first studio before they moved into their, their new spot. And that was our the beginning of our relationship. And we stayed in touch with each other. And that turned into him coming and working on his on changes on the Justin Bieber album. So it was pretty cool, man. And, and he's never changed. He's always been the same. So, you know, it's really an honor to even have a re- any relationship with you, JaVale. So catch me up to speed, JaVale, because I remember when you were drafted in Washington because I was there covering you. And so to go from that to this guy that's also making music, fill in the gap there. What happened? When I was in Washington, I was actually making music. I just wasn't confident enough in my music and I didn't have the connections or network to know exactly how to make my music take it to that next step. I was that person who downloaded Logic. I was using Logic, but I was using stock sounds. So all my beats sounded, yeah, they weren't really hitting the way they were supposed to be hitting. And then every summer of my career, I always I live in California. So more and more I started just dabbling and meeting new people and trying to network. And I met Lawrence from uh, 1500 or nothing. He hooked me up with a whole bunch of new sounds, new drums, new chords, new everything just to upgrade my sound. And once I sat in the studio with him, I I was sort of like interning with him for like a week straight. 
And I was just watching his process and how he does it and what he uses, what dolls he uses and things like that. And then I was like, okay, well, I want to do a song. And he was like, well, I got one of the best writers in the world, my guy Pooh Bear. I'm like, all right, well, let's do it. I was just ready to do it. And I think Pooh Bear wrote two songs for me. I didn't even use the songs. And I think I paid for it also. And I'm not, I don't want my money back. I'm not saying I do. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like I feel like not even knowing it, that was like a deposit onto the future of what we could do. Because in 2014, six, seven years later, I get a I'm on the Bieber album with them. Yeah, yeah. For free. So it's just like, <laughs> it's like an, a, an investment, I guess, uh, that turned out to be great. But really, it was just networking and being a good person and uh, staying in contact with the right people and not doing anybody wrong. And, and that's basically how I feel like people succeed. And at the same time, though, working to be successful and live up to expectations in the NBA, right? So how tough is that to do and try to balance? It's hard to balance because I know what my day job is. My day job is basketball, and that's what makes my paycheck. That's how I'm able to pay for a feature from the Honorable Pooh Bear. It's very hard to do music and play basketball at the same time and be great at one. So the music was definitely the one I was lacking because I was obviously focused on basketball. And I would usually do my music over the summer and try to get as much in or get songs finished during the summer. And that's usually how my music career goes, just because obviously I'm worried about my day job and, and winning championships, for sure. Well, rightly so. Pooh Bear, wait, so you meet this guy, JaVel McGee, and what was your first impression? I hadn't, to that point, met a basketball player that was making beats or into just that into it. I met basketball players in the past that had artists, and they were trying to break their artists, but I never met a basketball player that was, like, in the NBA that was making beats. So for me, I was fascinated, A, and then the music really inspired me. Just because I'm hired to do something, I still have to be inspired by the music. And that impressed me. It was really refreshing to me just to not see for once an NBA star trying to be a star, like, and be the rapper or or have the yeah. artist, you know? So it was cool. So then from there, I always kept him in mind. And JaVale, what, when I called you to come to the record plant, had I run into, into you? I think you might have ran into my assistant, Alani. Oh, yeah. And I think Alani was like, I seen Pooh Bear the other day. He said, pull up on him whenever you in the city or whatever. Yeah. I was, like, I was like, say left. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, he's talking about his like day job. Like, it's extremely hard to get a cut with Justin Bieber. I've known Pooh a long time. And like, we've all yeah. sort of lived in different parts of the music business. Myself, more on the production for film and TV side. And even Pooh and I is like sports marketing people doing songs for like the Marlins and for UFC and things like that together. But when I met with JaVale, you know, I had my guard up because much like Pooh, I'd met with athletes before that wanted to be rappers or producers. And you're usually like, oh, how quickly can the session end so I can like never call this person again? But JaVale has a pretty magnetic presence with not only the production stuff, but also ideas. And like the few times that we've been in the studio together, even ideating, it's just easy. And I think that a lot of the relationships with creatives when they get together is like, I can either work by myself and it'll be easy, or I can work with easy people and it'll be easy. And I think Pooh Bear always says, if it doesn't happen in 15 minutes, it's not going to happen <laughs> with any song. And that's right with JaVale. Because I was like, yep. And the mutual connection was I'd worked with Pooh for a long time, but met JaVale completely separately. 
And I, you know, believe that anybody at any given point can write a hit song or can have a moment of genius, but then actually like hearing the music that he was making and going, yeah, this is like legitimately good. And what he claims is not his day job. It was just pretty impressive. What made it legitimately good? I think it comes down to just inventiveness and not really prescribing to specific, you know, genre things. I think that Spotify in a weird way is a widget and a lot of people want their music to fit exactly into what happened the week before. When you hear specifically trends in hip hop, whether it's like Drake or Lil Baby or DaBaby, that music is led by people who are doing completely inventive things and then hundreds of people following it. And for months and months and months, the algorithm rewards repetitiveness. But Pooh Bear is a melody person and JaVale is, you know, having inventive beats and even concepts and ideas. That's really hard to do. It's hard to be different and also not break the system. You know, like if you're too different, you're just going to opt out of Spotify, even knowing where to put you in a category. How did the Bieber available project come to be? Yeah, that was changes You know, it was the first project that I was actually able to executive produce with Justin. So I kind of was putting together a project with Justin that was really our vision for once, you know. So I was able to, you know, reach out to the people that I that I wanted to work with. And JaVel, like you said, I ran into his assistant and I felt like a strong need to like reach out to make sure that he was, you know, at least had the opportunity to play me some music and play me some things to see if anything inspired me. So I invited him to the record plant and he came, he showed up. I remember my dad was there. My dad was really excited to meet him because he was a big fan. So, you know, he played me a couple of things. I want to say you might've played me one thing and then you played me one other thing. And I want to say the second chord progression was available. So it was the second idea you played me and um, it inspired me immediately. And I was like, load it up. And then um, I just started writing it right, you know, right then and there. You know, looking at JaVale like, hey, this is cool. This kind of, you know what I mean? Because I, I still second guess myself. And JaVale's like, yeah, yeah, that's dope. Like, so he's, that's my, <laughs> that's more inspiration on top of the music sonically inspiring me. You know, for me, like I said, if it doesn't, if it doesn't happen soon, it's, that means I'm trying. And you shouldn't have to try. It should just happen. So from there, available was done. And then I, I sent it to Justin. And, and Justin went crazy. He was like, he wanted to cut it immediately. The crazy part about it is when we were in the studio, Pooh never told me who we were writing for. or who, <laughs> like, He was just like, let's just make some music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just make music. Yes. Like, yeah. There was no uh, after the session. He was like, yeah, I'm going to get this to Justin. No, none of that. Like, you just make some music. I made some music. We wrote available. And then, all right. We communicated, but we didn't really talk about music for at least two, three months. Yeah. Until he gave me the news that it was going to be on the album. That's crazy. (laughs) Wow. How did that happen? I just called them. I think I just called you. Funny story, you had called me because your house I got broken into. Right. My house I got broken into also. The weekend before my house. Did you guys ever solve that one? No, no, I didn't, well, no. Luckily, we have insurance. Shout out to insurance. No shout outs to my insurance, but they gave me what they felt like and, you know, but it's whatever. It's a learning experience, real, real, yeah, sure. you know. But it's all good. It's materials. Nobody was there. No humans were hurt. Sure. After all that bad news, at the end of this call, we're not talking about music. He called me specifically like, your house get robbed, my house got robbed. 
we were trying to be Dick Wolf, trying to be Lauren. Trying to be, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, how many people was in your property? Yeah. <laughs> so then at the end of the conversation, he was like, oh, yeah, um, and you made the album. I'm like, the album for, he's like, Bieber album, Changes. I'm like, what? Like, that's crazy. And then I forgot all about the rapper, for sure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. The weirdest thing about the music business is you don't, as a writer and a producer, you don't get to pick when you get those moments. Like I've been trying forever so hard to make things happen. And like recently I got one of those moments where I got the call, but it was like not expected. It's like, oh, I forgot about that one. I just got this one with Machine Gun Kelly, but he was like, oh, I don't like the song. Send me the files. And then like two weeks ago, he plays it at the NFL draft. It's almost like getting drafted. If you get an Eminem cut or a Drake cut or a Bieber cut, like those are game changing, big, big deals. It's not like, anything else that you can compare it to. But JaVale, was that like your first crazy one? Or you had other collabs, but not like... That was definitely my highest ranked one, I would say. I had a couple with 2 Chains, OT Genesis, a couple other artists. But definitely, I feel like Bieber was the biggest artist. Next level. For sure. And Grammy nominated. For sure. We're at 6 million units sold on changes right now. Wow. Yeah. All combined, we're at about 6 billion streams combined with all the streaming platforms together. Oh, my God. And like they were saying, you see athletes that are want to be front men or rapping and singing, but you're producing, you're doing, like, what is it about that part of it that you gravitate toward? I'm a nerd at heart. And thank God I grew up in the era of you can make beats on a single computer. Because I, I used to watch videos of like Kanye in the studio and stuff like that. And he had the biggest machines making beats. And I'm like, I'll never be able to make to make music like this. Like, I don't have these machines. Like, it takes so <laughs> right, much. Right. I grew up in the era where Logic and Fruity Loops were just getting started. So I got to see the progression of that to know exactly how to use the technology on my computer to make a beat. To make a beat on your computer is basically putting a puzzle together and figuring out what sounds the best. So I feel like the fact that that was the way that I, I learned how to make beats helped me feel comfortable being a producer. I've never really wanted to be a rapper. Like I've never envisioned myself or saw myself on stage at seven foot rapping. It just never sat well with me. So I was like, what else can I do in the music industry? Because I love music that I can be successful at and producing with something that I chose. He's a creator, though, like the same way, like, Pooh, again, always says to me, I'm not a singer, but he's a singer. Like, 
I have songs on Spotify that have been streamed millions of times with Pooh Bear's voice on it. You know, when JaVale and I went in, we're working on a podcast right now, but, you know, his secret persona, Pierre. And when we went yeah. into Pooh Bear's studio, when Pooh Bear wasn't there, I saw JaVale just grab, pull down concepts, like almost like a movie, writing just quick scenes for each of the songs, like Cowboy. And then you did, um, you know, a bunch of ones about like the pressure of playing the game. And like, it was crazy how quickly they were coming out. And some people are also like, just get away from me when I'm working. You know, don't tell me ideas, don't say anything. But, and everybody works differently. Pooh Bear is extremely intense and I don't try to step on his words. I didn't know this about him when I first met him, but probably the most successful vocal producer or top liner of all time. And it just so happened that I figured that out very quickly. <laughs> uh, and I was more just doing the music side of it. But like, there could be times where I don't know the artist, like when I'm working with them. And, you know, it was cool to see the characters he adopted. And I'm sure someone else might perform the songs he wrote, but he could easily do that himself. So fascinating. What did Justin Bieber think when he knew that JaVel was behind that? He thought it was really cool and awesome because JaVale's the only professional athlete to have produced on any Justin Bieber album ever in the history. So he was really, he was like, that's really cool. And he was amazed by it. And it's one of his favorite records on the album. And um, JaVale, we definitely need to, if you have any time or anything, let's do some more. I'm, I'm growing. I'm getting better. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how much better you can get, but okay. Oh, no, I'm growing. <laughs> I'm growing, JaVale. <laughs> yeah. I'm growing. I swear I'm growing. I'm growing. Do you have a new Pierre project on the horizon? What are you working on besides? I definitely got a lot of songs in the, in the chamber right now. The only thing about not playing for L.A. is most of the artists are in L.A., so they're touchable. I can go touch them, but it's hard being on the phone and trying to communicate with the artist. Artists are so finicky with phone calls and texts and getting to the manager. The way to do it with an artist is just pull up on them. <laughs> That's what I figured really? out in the whole process. <laughs> it's so hard. Like people always say, yeah, send beats. You don't know if they're going to listen to it. You don't know if they're going to take this, that link and pass it to their artists and tell them that like you don't know what's going to go on. The only way to really lock it down is to pull up on them like, what's up? We're doing music right now. What's cracking? I don't live in L.A. anymore, so I don't get to touch as many people as I want. But I definitely have five, six songs in the chamber with major artists, actually. But I'm just waiting on those last little tidbits to really lock it down. Gotcha. And you and Jared are collaborating in some way, too, right? Sure. A music podcast. Pooh and I really solidified our friendship. It actually links to JaVale. So Pooh and I met, and after hanging out with Pooh Bear for like 20 minutes, he just decides we're in a band called Bear and a Banjo. Again, because the widgetization of music, we made this incredible record with him and Bob Dylan and T-Bone Burnett. And it should have been something where in the old days, a record company would be like, this is cool, let's take it. No label could figure out what to do with it. It was an Americana record. But it tells a story, and we wrote a whole story on top of that about Bear and a Banjo in the 1930s and 40s at the beginning of the music business showing up everywhere and episodes unlock songs. So when I met JaVale, I was like, we should take this formula. And his character, Pierre, it's almost like a comic book for kids. What do kids fantasize about? They want to be an athlete, and they want to be an artist, or they want to be a TikToker or YouTuber. And because he's created almost like a piece of IP with his character, it's not real, but it's real because it's him. Him, we just fictionalized what it would be like for Pierre, this NBA player who also has a secret persona who produces music. And the jump off point was after my kids were watching the last Spider-Man animated film, the Spider-Verse. Yeah. And it was wishful filming, kids being able to picture themselves 
as Spider-Man and how music played such a large role in that Spider-Verse film, you know, Sunflower, which streamed, you know, a billion copies. That is, in a weird way, a lot of these tentpole properties have music in them and the music doesn't get enough credit for being the actual foundation. But I think that it would be incredible to really launch through podcasts the next animated Pierre show or film or TV project, but Pooh doesn't know this, but I'm going to drag him in to help me finish the record with JaVale, making the circle complete, because I need Pooh. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, I love that. That'd be like a two-day thing or something. It won't be, a, that won't take a lot. Because the script's incredible, Wait. and now we just need to finish the record, and it's all a bunch of concepts JaVale started. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we could do that in two days. How cool is that? Pooh, when they say that you're really intense, what do they mean? It just means that um, if I'm, I'm focused on something, I'm leaving the building. Mentally, I'm leaving, and I'm tapping mm-hmm. into different places, and I'm pulling from, from different places. So it's kind of hard. Like, I'm there when I'm creating, but I kind of check out. Like, if somebody taps me, I might jump. Cause I'm not. It's almost You're like so it's zone. almost like I'm daydreaming. Yeah, I'm almost daydreaming. I'm and it's be a step further than daydreaming. It's like a fighter so, pilot. If someone steps on you when you're doing that, Pooh Bear's the most gentle, kind person in the world. But there can be teeth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Is like, but at the same time, if I'm like, yo, if you hear anything, now that's another thing. If I open myself and be like, yo, if you hear anything. Then that's one thing, but if I'm zoned in and I'm focused and I have an idea and I know exactly the address of my destination and I know how I'm getting there, then yeah, it could be like a car coming out of nowhere, <laughs> you know, while I'm driving yeah. and a car come out of nowhere if they say something because I might lose my train of thought or I might be on to something and that could change it. Even in most times when I'm creating, I don't have a lot of people in the room with me and it's because, you know, for whatever reason, some people feel like when they get in the room with me, they just become songwriters and they want to give me ideas and stuff. And it, it's okay, but it just, it puts me in an awkward position. I won't even think of half the lines that I'm saying because I don't feel like they're good enough. So when somebody else just says something and I'm like, damn, this is really like real serious for me. And they're like, I mean, they're just saying whatever, which is, I can't knock that. But in my mind, I'm so focused it's just, it's tough. It makes me insane. It's, uh, you wouldn't give your surgeon, your brain surgeon advice. Like a stranger wouldn't come in and be like, hey, check that wire right there. That like, Why don't we try that one? I'm very forgiving. Like I'm very like affable with that. Like I've seen the agents, I've seen managers, I've seen girlfriends, boyfriends do it in the room. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm just going to delete it from my brain. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, I'm going to pretend but, like they didn't just say anything at all and just be like, all right. The time suckage, though, is always something that is fascinating to me because in my line of work, doing sports broadcasting, right, especially when I was at ESPN, if I would be working on a feature that I was really invested in and we would be in an edit, you know, time flies. I would assume it's like that for you guys too. It's like, literally, I will have felt like I have been in there for 15 minutes and it's three hours and you're like, oh my God. And it's because I am truly loving what I'm doing. And like, it's the creative space, right? Definitely. Definitely. Definitely a, a energy you feel when, when you're just making music and everything's going well. But you also have that opposite feeling where you're sitting in the studio and you're just like, I don't want to be here right now. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst. Right? Yes. Yes, you um, yes. That's when it drags out. But then you have those times where you're just making songs. I made like six songs in a night and then looked up and I was in the studio for 13 hours. I'm like, how is this possible? How am I still up? Like, what is going on? And it's dark. So it's not like when the daylight comes out, you're like, oh, it's sunny right now. It's 7 a.m. We need to leave. You don't know. So it's all dark. And then you're not looking at your phone, looking what time it is, especially if you're having fun. 
Is there any part of that that's similar to you getting ready for like the NBA playoff run that you guys are embarking on? Is there anything that you can equate that to your preparation for? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I feel like when you're during the season, especially the end of the season, you start going in that run, you start having camaraderie with your guys, with your teammates. You start feeling that energy of how focused everybody is, is on getting into this playoff push. And once that playoff starts, you start, start seeing who's really the dogs on your team, who's really ready for this level. Because it's a whole different feeling. It's a whole different game of basketball, a whole different physicality once the playoffs start. Um, the refs hold their whistle a little bit a little bit longer and players start playing a little bit more aggressive. You're like, I haven't seen this all season. What's going on? So it's definitely an energy uh, seeing your, your the guys around you really lock in and it's the same feeling as being in the studio for 13 hours a writer a producer a singer a rapper and y'all just making songs and you're like yo this is it right here everybody's locked in right now so it's, it's definitely similarities i love seeing you back in denver what are you most excited about with this group of guys um winning that's it winning the nba championship ever since getting a taste of my first nba championship that's all i've been thirsting for is just to keep getting them as many as possible. It's a beautiful thing to be in the position that I am and uh, to be able to go to uh, basketball teams that even have the opportunity because I didn't win one into my ninth year. So just thinking about that, the average NBA career is only three to four years. So it's just a lot of, of aspects in my life to where I'm like, I'm truly blessed. And I, I just definitely have to take each one in stride and just accept my blessings the way they come. So, Javelle, you've been a part of three championship teams. You know what the common denominator is there. Like, I would love to hear that. But also on the music side, what is the secret sauce for creating something that's really special? So for me, with all three of my NBA championship teams, it's about roles. Uh, everybody knowing their role. If you're a shooter, you shoot to the highest of ability. If you're a hustle guy, you hustle to your highest ability. If you're the star, then be the star. And everybody around you has to know that you're the star and they have to let you be the star. So it's a lot of putting your pride to the side that comes with winning championships. It's a lot of knowing your role when it comes to winning championships. And it's a lot of respecting each other when it comes to NBA championships. But also the band of brotherhood of loving each other. Like when I was in Golden State, we all did everything together. Uh, our, all our families were together. It, it was really a good organization. When I was with the Lakers, we did everything together. So it was just really important for us as champions to know what everybody wants, know what everybody needs and keep everybody in, in the loop. And I feel like that's definitely a key in basketball and also in music. I agree. It's purpose and culture. Like, you know, when Pooh and I would invent personas for writing, like most of the time people are in the studio, like, why am I here? But we had like a bit of a mission to when we would write together, or even when I write, I'm mostly writing for film or TV or for personalities or brands. So I know why I'm there. But if I just get in the room with a random person, they're like, why are we here? If you're not enjoying the process of sitting there and can like, you know, enjoy the boring parts, which are the 18 hour stretches, you know, in the studio, I'd say that the equivalent of, you know, what JaVale was saying about getting the call from Bieber, that's like winning a championship. You know, you put in the work, you try a lot, you take a lot of, you know, shots and hopefully something lands. But Pooh is probably one of the luckiest 
and fortunate and hardworking people I know because he's also had a early stage career, middle stage career, late stage career, all filled with ups and downs, but he keeps coming back bigger with each iteration. And I think it's about reinvention and it's about persistence. I learn a lot from the people that I work around and sports is actually probably one of the greatest metaphors for music in the world. Yeah, and just to add to that, I think the part about when JaVale said putting your pride to the side, I think the way to really win and be great at anything, I think, is brutal honesty and just not feeling yourself and not feeling like you could be inspired and you could be motivated. But then when you feel like you're just like the shit, then that could go against you because you don't have room to grow. You don't have room to take constructive criticism. And so for me, I've always been in the background. You know, I've been blessed enough to, you know, write hits from, you know, the 90s to in in the last four decades. I've been blessed enough. Mm -hmm. So just for me to see the amount, like JaVale said, three to five years for basketball players, for writers is like two to three years for writer-producers. And they're on Really? Yeah, and then they're on to whoever's hot next. Yeah. And then most of those writers-producers get a big head and they just start balling out as opposed to doing what they did in the first place to get them to that first success, which is working and creating in the studio. So as long as you're brutally honest with yourself, whatever got you to where you are, you got to continue to do that. And at the same time, push the envelope and, you know, make sure that the people that are around you, that they're positive and that that energy is there. And at the same time, you got to be willing to grow and accept constructive criticism, even at the level that we're that we're playing and that we're you know creating on. It's still like for me, I know everything that I create is not amazing. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, I'm constantly feeling like I'm on my toes. I got to stay on my A game. I got to create doper concepts. I got to create original music and melodies and everybody's bit in my sound and all my melodies. So now I'm always in a constant state of what's next. What can I create next for other people, for this next generation to copy? And and trying to stay out in front of it and stay ahead of it, you know? So nobody looks at me and be like, oh, his music sounds like 2005 or 2015 or 2019. But that's what you guys have done so well. I mean, you guys seem to just have your finger on the pulse of what's next. How do you do that? I just try to create what's next. That way I don't have to put my finger on it. It just, you know. Okay. You know, and that's a bless me staying out of front, staying out ahead of it and making sure that I have enough seeds planted with new music and new melodies that aren't reinventing the wheel, but just making a bigger wheel. And that way, when it's time, you know, all the next generation coming up, they still get the music and it's fresh and it's new and it's not cliche, you know, and it's really just about just staying ahead of the creation and and being the pulse, not putting your finger on the pulse, but actually Mm -hmm. being the pulse and being a part of the actual pulse. Is there a new pulse that you can share, like something that people can expect? I'm seeing a few things in my world that are different. Like I lucked into around October. I didn't know who 24K Golden or Ian Dior or Machine Gun Kelly were. And through our musical podcast, they came through our world. And I'd been playing guitar my whole life. I think possibly most of the time imitating things that I thought were supposed to be cool, knowing that deep down... I make a lot of indie rock, alternative rock, 
and also I love hip hop as well. And seeing this new world of like the Ians and the 24s and the these kids with guitars that the genres are no longer as relevant as they were, where it's strictly R&B, strictly hip hop, strictly rock and roll. I'm an absolute beginner. So I'll listen to if young kids are telling me, listen to this, I'm with an open mind, but I can also deconstruct it seeing what it is. This post juice world universe that we're living in right now is basically hip hop kids who got into Kurt Cobain. And all of a sudden, it's just what Pooh was saying, effortless. It's effortless for me to pick up a guitar and write to a trap beat. I think that it was harder for me. And Pooh has seen, I think the only time Pooh and I ever argued was the time we went to Atlanta and that strict, you know, Atlanta hip hop, I wasn't great at it. And, you know, I think that trying to fit, you know, a square peg into a round hole musically, you can't imitate. You have to just go with what's natural. And there's something new, I think, that's coming out from hip hop and rock music. And strangely, Travis Barker is in the middle of a lot of that right now. You know, if you look on... New Music Friday, he's up there with like BB Rexa with 24K Gold. There's just a whole bunch of this new music that's coming out that's a little bit postmodern. All right, guys, we're going to do some X's and O's. These are rapid fire questions for all of you. Are you guys ready? Yeah. All right. The one album I cannot live without is Jared, let's start with you. The Clash, London Calling. Nice. Javel. College dropout, Kanye West. I hate to say this, but changes. Justin Bieber is an album. It's an album I can't. And I, I'm sorry, I just happened to write every song on there, but it's. I apologize for that. But it is something that I can't live without. Like, and I don't even listen to music, but I listen to changes. I listen to the whole album, so I have to honestly say changes. I like it. The first big check. What did you spend it on, Pooh Bear? Let's start with you. Um, the first big check I got was I was 17 years old from a song called Anywhere with 112. I was in high school and I bought a cell phone. I bought a mobile phone, <laughs> a flip phone. And I cashed the check. Guess where I cashed the check? At the check cashing place. And they took out 4%. <laughs> it took out 4% of my check. And I didn't care because I didn't have any money anyway. So I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to leave out of here with money. And I didn't come in here with money so they could take 4%. That's what I did. I bought a cell phone. Javel, how about you? What'd you do with that first big check? I didn't actually spend the whole thing. Like, I was extremely cheap, like, the first five years of my NBA career. So my first check that I bought something, I I bought a car. I bought a 96 Impala, and I bought it for $10,000. And I put, like, $15,000 into it. So it was around $25,000. I had 24s on it. I had 412s in the back. I painted all black white and black rims. So yeah, I was, I was living. I sold my company to WME and I had $2,000 in the bank the day before and then a few million the next day. And I bought a fake stuffed wolf, a bottle of tequila and a hat on Abbott Kenny. And I was walking around like Steve Martin and the jerk. <laughs> Wait, I hope it was a good bottle of tequila. What kind of tequila Class was it? Class Azul, I'll remember it. Because that Gorgeous. used to be my drink and then Pooh turned me on to 42. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. Favorite studio slash career moment. So, Javel, let's start with you. Favorite career moment on the court? Winning NBA championships, for sure. That's my favorite career moment, each one. If you had to pick one, what would you say? The least one, I would say, is the second one after the back-to-back. Just because I was the only one that was excited about the second one. Everybody else was like, man, this is what we do. (laughs) Really? I was just like, I understand we just won it last year, but I'm just excited as the first one with this second one. First year, we all went to Vegas, 
had fun, blah, blah. Second year, no one left. They all stayed home. They were like, oh, yeah, we won another championship. It's whatever. So that was my least favorite one. But my favorite one out of all of them was the Laker one. No, I'll put the first one first, just because that's your first NBA championship. <laughs> my second favorite was the Lakers one. Then the third one was the second one. That's a crazy why were you almost going to say the Lakers won? What was it about that one that was so special? It was special just because we had a lot of trials and tribulations being with COVID and half the season was canceled at first. So we didn't even know we were going to have another season. Then we went into the bubble and we won it. But I didn't really enjoy the bubble like that. So that's not really my favorite. You get what I'm saying? If that season had went regularly, we were at home with fans and doing whatever we wanted to do, then yes, that would have been my top moment for sure. But the bubble kind of messed that up. Yeah. All right, Jared and Pooh, your favorite studio moment? Easy. Uh, recording a song that we did with Bob Dylan after we went through approvals to figure out whether or not Pooh and I were worthy of Bob Dylan and uh, getting the call from his manager asking questions about all the Jingle Punk stuff and the Pooh Bear stuff and just showing up one day in the studio with the lyric sheet and Pooh Bear going, is this really Bob Dylan's lyrics or are you like just bullshitting me? Yeah, he's some <laughs> random guys like lyrics. I'm just supposed to fall for this shit, you know? Yeah, that was a good one. But Jared, that was good. just to connect with you, like I had one that was fascinating was definitely with you, Jared, with Steven Tyler from Aerosmith in Nashville, Tennessee. And I never in a million years thought I would be vocal producing Steven Tyler or telling Steven Tyler like one more time, you know what I'm saying? Like that was like one more time. Like I never thought, you know, it was weird that he called me the way he said poo was interesting. And um, I just think for me, it was just a surreal moment just to be in Nashville at the studio with uh, Steven Tyler, man. I think that was a, it was an epic moment um, recording with a rock star, something that I would have never, ever predicted that when I was growing up. And that was for sports. That was for pro bull riding. Oh, that's so cool. I love Pooh Bear and I showed up at this event. Literally, this is what Bear and a Banjo is about. It's about a Jewish guy from Toronto and a black dude showing up at a place where everyone's wearing the red hat. <laughs> and Pooh's like, what the hell is this? But we had a blast. It was like, it was incredible. It's one of those things you have to see it in person. It's a wild event. Wait, so Pooh, what about the way that he said Pooh? What was it? Pooh. Pew, uh, it was really raspy, and it was, I never heard anybody say pew like that with a, it was more of a you involved, like a pew, like pew, almost like a pew, like P-U, you know, it was, it was a combination, so it was just interesting, it stuck out in my mind, I'll never forget it, and I'll never forget him re-recording, because he had already recorded the record once, and I just looked at Jared, and I was like, there's no way in hell. Yeah. We could turn this in. So, mm -hmm. you know, just the fact that he re-recorded it was just astonishing to me because he could have been like, whatever, this is the version and you can take it, go to hell or whatever. But, you know, all of that was, to me was just fascinating to be able to, to re-record a record with an a, a icon like uh, Steven Tyler. So cool. My last thing, if you could impart one piece of wisdom on anyone out there, what would it be? Number one, believe in yourself. Don't look for other people to try to find validation. For what you're doing because at the end of the day you got to walk into your bedroom look in your mirror and talk to yourself about what you did or what you could have done or how good you could have been so don't listen to the outside world make sure that you believe in yourself and uh bet on yourself so you believe in yourself bet on yourself tenfold if 
only, only thing you can do is blame yourself. So I say bet on yourself. That's my advice. I say careers are long and be nice to everyone because the kids that were answering the phone at Interscope when I used to try and get a meeting there and couldn't get a meeting with the real person are now running the building now and cutting us checks. And there's no benefit to just being chatty with whoever, you know, the person, everybody's got value and you never know what's going to happen five, 10 years from now. And people remember those experiences, you know, be open, be a beginner and know that careers are long. Yeah. And I, um, I would just say, Never get complacent. I would say never celebrate to where you forget the hard work that it took to get there. And at the same time, always value time and be brutally honest with yourself in order to really, truly grow. You just got to be able to not get caught up in the hype and really be honest with yourself in order to be great at whatever it is, whatever craft it is that you're doing. That's my advice. That's so cool. And JaVale can probably relate to that because I feel like the one thing I hear more often than not in sports is don't get too high, don't get too low, right? Everyone says it. Am I right? Even too. <laughs> so true. Oh my gosh. You guys have been so awesome. What a great conversation. Seriously, JaVale, Pooh Bear, Jared, thank you guys so much for taking the time. We really, really <laughs> appreciate it. And good luck. And oh my God, JaVale, bring home a championship. Yeah. Number four. Number four. <laughs> Take it easy, guys. Thank you so much. Bye, JaVale. Bye, Pooh. Thanks, y'all. Bye, Lindsay. Bye-bye. I'm just going to be really honest and say that I thought about writing down several things those men said in this conversation because I found it really applicable to anybody in life, especially myself. Here's the thing. These guys talk about the day job, right, that JaVel McGee has on the basketball court. And that whole thing blows my mind because to understand the level of commitment and dedication and hard work it takes to be ready, to have your body ready, to also, you know, have the focus to be there for your teammates, that's just a job, obviously, in itself. The fact that he's doing what he's doing in music and approaching it with the childlike wonder and curiosity and really trying to be the best that is so commendable. I think that's awesome. And I was thinking, listening to that, what I take from that is never rest on your laurels. They gave great advice together. And I feel like that was one of the things. Don't rest on your laurels and always be the beginner. Jared said that. And I thought, how smart is that? Because I think of that with myself. One of the things I try to tell future sportscasters or anchors or reporters, it's about asking questions and never losing that curiosity. And also, it's all about the people. It's about the relationships. And that's something that seems so obvious, but really it takes going through this journey of years and in a certain industry to realize this. It's about the people you meet along the way. And when Jared talked about, you know, being kind to people because they may someday run the company that you, you know, that you're working with. Yeah. And also though, if you're able to have a job you love, one that doesn't feel like a job, it's those people that you meet on your journey that really make it special in the first place. So there was a lot about what they were saying. They made me think like, man, you know, everyone can have a reinvention of themselves. Pooh Bear talking about how he's always not just trying to have his finger on the pulse. He's trying to be ahead of the pulse in music. And I think that's something that's really fresh that you can apply to any type of work. But at the end of the day, I thought, man, these are three men who love creativity and they're not scared to talk about their ideas. And I think a lot about that with women, you know, my daughter, friends of mine, people in the business I'm in and, and how sometimes it feels like, Oh, I've got this idea. Might be really crazy. Am I being too pushy throwing it out there? Hell no, go for it. That's what I took from this conversation more than anything else. 
And lastly, if you're not loving your job, do what JaVel McGee is doing. No, don't get me wrong. He loves his job right now, but learn about the thing that you think you might love on the side. He knows the NBA is not going to be his career forever. It's impossible. It cannot be, but he knows music is something that he would love to be. So hearing him describe how he meets with people, what he takes from them, what he asks them, I just think that is so inspiring. Anyway. Okay, enough. I hope you liked this episode of The Artist and the Athlete. I want to thank my guests. This thing took a lot to pull off, but in the end, it was so worth it. It was such an eye-opening conversation. If you like this one, please check out the other episodes of The Artist and the Athlete. You can find them anywhere you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and to give me your feedback. I'd love to interact. Let me know what you're thinking, what you'd like to hear more of. You can follow me on Instagram at lindsaycz. Also follow Sony Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Go out there and be your best version of yourself. See you soon.